with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles International. What? Did you hear that? No. Ooh, that was bizarre. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, unexplained, unbelievable, yada yada, New England's own Van Helsink with me, my, my co-host, who I'm concerned about, the gold standard in ghost hunting. Maybe the platinum standard, Mr. Steve Parson. Good evening. Are you okay? I'm perfectly well. I'm sitting in a haunted house again. Oh, not again. <laughs> yeah, still doing it, but I um, can only do it only, can only do it till midnight because got an early start tomorrow. Uh, fair enough. So, you know what? I ask you, are you okay? You know, I always. I, Nori used to always ask, are you okay? It's like, why? What's wrong with me? Why do you keep asking me that? <laughs> Is that a, that's a British thing, right? Um, not so often. No? Um, no, it's not something... Well, it's not something I use. It might be... Nori might use it. Yeah, she used it quite a bit. Yeah. And I've had other people from... Yeah, part maybe, of may, maybe maybe it's common in parts of the UK. I don't, I don't know. Hey, the teller of curious tales is coming your way tomorrow. Well, not that far. New York. Yeah, yeah. they get a lot of men. Apparently so. Uh, he's well, unless, he's, to... unless he's flying British Air, there's a chance it'll probably be cancelled. Anyways, we cancel all our flights here every two days. We cancel a thousand flights just for the hell of it. Um. Well, mm-hmm. apparently he's headed to New York for the Ghostbusters Afterlife world premiere. Ooh. Except is it's that... not the world. Except it isn't. Oh, no. Because really? they're... They, well, they've already showed the movie once at a Paracon. Uh-huh. A comic, A Comic-Con. Um, as a surprise. But the actual world premiere which isn't in New York City, is in the movie theatre in some little dusty shack town in Alberta, Canada. Uh, next Why week, not? about three... Because it was where they shot the movie. Oh, there you go. So, so, they, they, so they threw him a bone, huh? So they threw him a bone, but you uh, know, the, the official world premiere is in New York City next week. Okay, there you go. And so. his truly has wangled... Um, himself some tickets because as you know his uh, documentary starred at the Ghostbusters anniversary Paracon yes. um, back in LA what, was that two years ago must have been yeah Although maybe, I three. Featured, um, maybe three well, maybe three I mean he yeah. made the documentary but yep. I was in it you were? of course how come I never seen that uh, is it on the internet know. somewhere? It must be. I've seen yeah. it. It's uh, myself, Kieran, Cal, 
Um, oh, I gotta see this thing. You gotta guess the link. For, uh, send me the link sometime. That's I'm, I'm curious. I'll, I'll, I'll endeavor. Nobody to do ever that. tells me anything. I'm so see. Well, <sighs> he never, he, he, well he, he's supposed he to be my up. mate, right? Because he, he stole all my it. friends. Hang on, he yeah. he never shut up about it. I mean, when mm. he was there, he was you know he was tweeting and facebooking and Instagramming yeah, like I and huh. <laughs> Like I follow, well, follow it. Well, you follow it. He follows you. He clicks like on every time you. Um, well, he clicks you... like on anybody in anything. <laughs> or breathes, and sometimes I think some of them don't breathe. That's true. <laughs> we love you, Dylan. We're just kidding you. He's not listening. He's all yeah. tucked up, ready for his uh, trip to London tomorrow to catch yeah. his plane. Well, remember, this is a podcast, so we can play it back. <laughs> yeah. He's having a week in New York City, so uh, he's no doubt going to do all the Ghostbuster sites. I wonder if the firehouse would be open for, for this grand thing, too, as well. Um, well, personally, I don't care because I've been in it. I know. I know. But, I mean, I'm just talking about I've been in it, got the T-shirt, got the patch, got, got the photographs. The So, so there you go. Anyway, yeah. I want to I want to uh, I want to thank our two numerous members of uh, the Dead Air Society. That, that is uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, Radio Patreon Club there on uh, Patreon. And uh, I want to welcome Ann Ryan and somebody from your side of the pond, Colin Bislin, Bilslin. B-I-L-S-A-L-A-N-D. I assume that's your side of point since the paid in pounds. He must be. God bless you, Colin, and thank you very much. Yeah, so there you go. Get two new hey, members. On, yes. on the subject of pounds and dollars and uh, oh, how's, the GoFund, how's the GoFundMe uh, going for the um, I'm not new... GoFunding me that thing. I, I'm not a beggar. It's bad enough I get the Patreon page and even then I feel weird about it but <laughs> yeah but i mean it's such a great idea i mean you know if every one of our hundred and fifty thousand downloads gave one dollar yeah that would be a big help that would be a big help yep. just 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 putting it out there you know yeah well the, maybe um, who knows the, i think the, they sold the, it anyways tell you the truth always buy another one yeah <laughs> That was that was ideal that place anyways. Yeah, but was that really cool uh, Victorian in Andover? Yeah, remember well, it? Well, no. You do. We were in it. We did a séance in it. Was it Andover? I have no clue. North Andover. I have no clue. The Victorian ghost hunt doesn't remind you, me. Doesn't you were there? Had a stage I... around the back. I was around. Oh yeah, no, that was the historic society place, dum dum. Yeah, but it's a Victorian building. They'll sell it, yeah. Is it? Vic no, they won't sell it. That's their headquarters. Get them to move. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Use your power and influence. Yeah, my mind control. Oh, yeah. one, you will sell. You will. You will give it. Never mind, sell. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Imagine we you, you found crafting skills that, you know, building on the lighthouse, you could just build one. Yeah, there you go. So, anyways, we do want to thank uh, Colin uh, Bilslin. Is that, am I saying that right? B I L S. I no well, that's, I think it's a, an like English Bilston. name. Bilston. 
No, it's got an L. Land. Bill's Land? Bill's Land. Good evening, Colin. Anyway, and Anne Ryan, of course. Kelly Ann. Good evening, Anne. So, uh, you remember the old Rocket Man at LAX? Yeah, he's back. Yeah. Well, you know, they they now think they've solved the pro- the uh, thing of the Rocket Man. Right. They don't think he's the Rocket Man. <laughs> Jetman. Yeah, they, they Man think on it's... a very large bungee cord. Actually, none. Neither above. They think it's actually a balloon now. Oh, I'm so disappointed. They have, you know, you know how, well, to give you an idea, you think of, uh, I don't know if you're, you, you ever heard of the Macy Thanksgiving Parade? Probably not, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they, they have all those. Well, it features in um, balloon figures, right? Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Column 54 Street. Yeah, we, we have all those balloon figures. So they now yeah. think it's it's one of those things that, that it's one of those and the way it's traveling. I mean, all the photographs and videos, it's, it's taken far, far away. And uh, you don't see any, in, uh, you know, trails or anything. So it's, it's uh, and the way it moves, it does look like a balloon caught in the uh, the jet stream or whatever the uh, they call that. With a here goes anyway. So, but those small jets, you know, those little uh, because there is that guy here in the UK who's uh, developed a jet suit using. Yeah, I think I think there is six six. There's two on each arm. And then there's there's another couple on the back, and uh-huh. um, he's he's made dozens of uh, flights now, hundred, well, probably more than that. How far though? How far up? Uh, I mean, we're well, talking the, three thousand feet. All the videos I've seen of him, it, they're at quite low level. You know, flying around the aircraft yeah, carrier, yeah. and um, yeah, and I you've got that. those, and you've got those. There's a video online which showing an Emirates um, aircraft. Yep. With um, the, I think it's a French Breitling or, or Red Bull team, and mm. they've got wing suits on. Yeah, those are but, a little different, but yeah, that's fine. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're a little different, but you know, they are up high. They are up mm. quite high. But it, it kind of reminds the LA Jetman kind of reminds me of. Do you remember uh, back in, I think it was 2017, 18? One of London's two airports was closed for nearly a week due to uh, drones. Yeah, we get those two every so often, well, which is illegal, by the way. Well, they closed London Gatwick Airport for yeah. about a week because these drones kept appearing and disappearing and everybody yeah. was trying to catch them. And it made the news. I probably made the news your side as well. But now they've released a report that that suggests that the whole thing may actually have been an accident caused by, first of all, a misreported sighting of lights. And then when huh. the police turned up... Sounds like with UFOs. Their, <laughs> no, well, when the police turned up with their drone, people started reporting the other dr- the police drone. <laughs> and every time they reported the police drone, the police launched a drone. Another drone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they think that now, actually, all of these reports and the whole closure and the flight disruption and hundreds of flights were cancelled and there was massive, you know, disruption to to air traffic was yeah. caused by this first report and then the police responding to reports of people drones. seeing their drone. Yeah. But it, on the subject of drones, of course, we've just had um, bonfire night Guy Fawkes night. Yes, Guy Fawkes. Remember, remember. remember 
Yep, Guy Fawkes, the only man ever to enter Parliament with honest intentions. <laughs> he, um, we, so we, we normally go out to a firework display, an organised display, because anything else is frowned upon now here in the UK. Okay. And of course, we still, we've still got some remnants of, um, well, we're now being threatened with a new lockdown over here. But uh, nevertheless, we went out to uh, take the boys to look at the organised firework display. Now, it's a big display. It was 16,000 people were supposed to be in attendance, and we didn't want to get caught in the crush right. uh, and, the, and the traffic. So we decided to go cross river to view it from the opposite side because it was held down at the waterfront. Oh, and uh, well, couldn't you see well, from your? I mean, you you live up way up on the cliffs there, right? Don't you? Yeah, couldn't but you this see was from... well, we live way up high on the hill, but yeah. this was in an area where you know it's down at the bottom and on the other side, and it's blocked and blah blah. Oh, blah. okay, okay. So yeah, we went yeah. round to the other side of the river, across the bridge, and to some high ground on the other side to watch it from the other waterfront, facing the firework display. And there was a few mm-hmm. other people there, and we we. Uh, we were a couple of minutes late getting there, but before the fireworks had started, and we noticed it was a small crowd of people had gathered. Uh, not surprising, they were all probably doing the same thing as we were, but they weren't looking towards the fireworks. They were pointing skyward and Ooh. watching this bright white, intensely bright white light floating in the sky. Now, it was quite windy that night, so it obviously, and because it didn't fade away, um, you know, it wasn't a flare. It wasn't a, um, was a it firework. Venus? It wasn't Venus because it was in front of the clouds. Okay. Um, the clouds were passing behind it at quite a rate because, you know, it was, it was, it was a fair old breeze and this mm-hmm. thing was stationary. Then all of a sudden, after about 30 seconds of watching it, the light went from intense white to intense red. Ooh. And then, after about another 30, 40 seconds, the light became an intense, vivid, bright green colour. Ooh, somebody had still Santa Claus. It still didn't move. And mm-hmm. so it had been stationary in the, in the same place now for about four minutes, alternately going white, red, green. Spotlight. But, but not at a, you know, a regular, it wasn't flashing. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, just changing Changing, colour. yeah, changing, right. Um, so I videoed it as best I could, took some photographs of it as best I could with my mobile phone. Of course, I, I by this time had formed an idea of what it was. Uh-huh. Um, so I grabbed some video as it then plummeted towards the ground at a very high speed and oh, stopped. Goodness. Goodness. Because somebody with a drone on the other side of the river had sent their drone up to video the firework display. and of course the colors are these things have got very bright lights on them the red and green like throughout light navigation lights but also so the the drone operator knows which way the drone is facing Mm -hmm. Um, that makes sense too but of course it it absolutely uh you know befuddled these people until it started, until it came down very quickly and then passed in front of a house and landed in a garden on the opposite side of the river. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people, and what was interesting is there was, you know, for the first 30 seconds, perhaps a bit longer than that, you know, I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is because you can't judge scale. 
all you can see is right. a light. I know it's in front of the clouds because they're passing behind it. But apart from that, it could have been a 747-sized object 20 miles away. It could have been the size of a baseball 200 meters at 200 yards away. Um, but then the color pattern, you know, the... And, of course, these drones are intensely clever. They doesn't matter about the breeze uh, or the wind or the gusts of wind. They, you know... They have all these clever flight controls, automatic flight controls, and this thing is just staying there um, in the one spot. But yeah. it reminded me, actually, of uh, while we're on the subject of aerial things, um, as you know, I used to spend some time on the clifftops helping out the Coast Guard. Yep. And I, I remember one occasion, and it was a, it was a really sunny day but it was very very windy it must have been uh, about 30 mile an hour winds and gusting mm -hmm. more than that and i was watching a kestrel and that kestrel remained motionless absolutely we were watching motionless. A i'm sorry that we're not i'm not familiar with would you just uh, say a kestrel a little hawk oh okay okay uh bird of prey okay uh, and he, they they hover and you know while they look for mice and voles and vermin and tellers of curious politicians tales, politicians mm. and in that even in all of those gusts of wind and you know disruption and turbulence this bird was abs it was like it was pinned on the sky we can still learn a lot from nature i think Oh, we can. And that's the interesting thing about it. And we've talked about it on the show before, you know, about cities that show up on the water that in islands mm. that disappear. But there are other phenomena. You ever hear of sprites? Well, the, the lightning that goes up. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Yeah, it's really, yeah, really. It's a I mean, I've, I've looked, um, plasma, isn't it, that goes up above a lightning storm. Yeah, I'm watching, looking at a picture of it now, and it's this one here is red, and it's. I mean, it's. it's I mean, if you don't know what it was, you don't know. Well, they didn't know what it was for the longest time, and in fact, yeah. when when was it? Some of the early astronauts reported these, and they weren't believed. Yeah. Until um, was it? It was NASA um, with one of the observatories managed to capture one of these from a hilltop observatory from about. Must have been, was it more than 100 miles away, wasn't it? This was captured in Texas, believe it or not. Mount Locke in Texas. They have mountains in Texas? Hmm. Interesting. I always thought, like, it's a big flat ground. <laughs> I did. I always thought Texas was flat. I have, have no idea uh, for some reason. Anyway, uh, yeah, they have. this is a picture of a jellyfish sprite captured by Stephen Hummel at Mount Locke, Texas on July 2nd, 2020. Uh, and this is a, a really sharp looking thing. Anyways, unlike uh, what we would uh, regard as normal light lightning, uh, sprites occur way up in the Earth's atmosphere, about 50 to 90 kilometers above us. So images, images of them are very rare. Sprites are kind of a cold plasma discharge that occurs above the thunder crowd as the nature as nature's way of balancing the positive uh, lightning charges are released between the thundercloud and the ground below uh, the spread of the artificial light at night makes it more difficult to see and uh, study faint objects and such as sprites but uh, 
you know, it's pretty, pretty cool, pretty interesting thing to see. It look, I mean, it really does look alien. It's like, especially when I'm seeing it, it's like a jellyfish. That's the way to describe it. Very there, awesome. There's different types, aren't there? Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. And I believe that they've now photographed them from the space station as well. Yeah. See, that's, we go up in there and we can get to see all this stuff anyways. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just waiting for um, Jeff Bezos to give me a call. Yeah. Well, I did email him to say, you know, first ghost hunter in space. There you go. Uh, anyway, the uh, it, it's it's really intriguing. But yeah, yeah, space. I mean, do you think space is a waste of money? No, absolutely not. I mean, yeah. I'm a, I'm a child of the space age. I grew yeah. up with Apollo and Gemini. Of course, I don't think space is. I, a, I am so absolutely disappointed that we we stopped everything after the Apollo landings. I I, I was very disappointed with uh, because when um, Shatner went up, mm-hmm. um, which I think was you know deserved. I mean that man and Star Trek, uh, you yeah. know, the, the, they made it for us. But so they so you know as a ninetieth sort of gift. They they sent him into space. Um, I know a couple he, other people like to send him space too, but <laughs> yeah. But fortunately, he came back. Oh. Uh, and when he came back, he made the point about up there, you know, um, death down here, life. I think is what he said. And he, he he made the point about how it's important, you know, that we realise the significance of the planet that we're on, and we should look after it, and we should look after one another. But then he got absolutely slated, and so did Bezos, for wasting money on space flight and space travel, yeah. and 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 you know all that money could have bought twenty five hospitals, or it could have yeah, yeah, said the but, technology to develop that helps us in the long run. It I mean, does, look at the, that's what the, these that's what these eco clowns sometimes forget yeah. is that I mean, a lot of the stuff that we use to the benefit of all of us society, yeah. And that that is all of us mm-hmm. um, and, you know, makes the world a better, safer place to be. Mm-hmm. It is developed, spun off the technology yeah. that she used to put men into orbit. And the great. space station isn't up there, isn't up there for sightseeing. It, it's a real scientific instrument because they yeah. can do science experiments there in zero gravity that they can't do on Earth. That's true. You know, they're, they're working on new drugs and they're working on new new types of, you know, alloys. And... I mean, we get, we got so much out of uh, the Apollo missions and the, and the original, I mean, you know, all that stuff. Every time that we go up to space and, and the space station, everything, we're, we've got to develop new things. We come up with new ideas and, and it, it, you know, helps society in the long run that these have uh, also uh, terrestrial applications as well. But, the, but that's the infuriating thing about these um, eco nimbies. They 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 want they don't want us to have fossil fuel. But then they complain if somebody puts a wind turbine up that could hurt. The You're birds. absolutely right. Yep. Oh, a solar farm have... that zaps the birds, or electricity yeah. that travels yeah. through the town. Uh, so yeah, you see it. You're on a hiding to nowhere. Um, they don't want. They want. I, I don't. You know. Are they only going to be happy when we're back in the Stone Age? 
Yeah, probably. Now there's a question because you know it was ma- it was made when I was let's go let's go back because I'm a child of Gemini and Apollo, and I mm-hmm. remember um, in that era one of the other things I was excited about and still have an interest in is nuclear power, nuclear you know oh, because yeah. we were we were told back then that electricity using these nuclear power stations was going to be so cheap to produce it was going to be free free energy from these nuclear power stations Sounds like and, that, and that great britain would need 16 of these power stations in order to be entirely electrically self-sufficient no more coal no more oil um for you know uh, burning fossil fuel except for motor vehicles and transportation um and now we don't you know we've got i think two two power stations maybe three in the uk because uh, there were plans to build more but the climate eco warriors said we don't want nuclear power it's dangerous but there are no emissions from nuclear power mm-hmm. and they need all of the electricity they can get because in another eight years they're banning the sale of petrol and diesel vehicles in the united kingdom yeah um, there you go you're only five years behind us Mm-hmm. Yeah, so go anyway. figure that one out. We will be back in the Stone Age soon. We will be actually. Yeah, we'll 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 be able to look at the you know what how do you how do you power your car when the when the wind stops blowing or the uh-huh. no problem. You just uh, you know produce electricity by burning coal and you're all set. <laughs> Pedal cars. That's the solution. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it would be like a flint, Flintstone. <laughs> Yeah, we're coming up to yeah. a break. We gotta go. Who, who knew the Flintstones was a future sci-fi series? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I'm still waiting for the jet car, but yeah, what the hell? Oh, do you remember the Jetsons? Yeah, the Jetsons and the jet car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are getting close to uh, Astro there, uh, the dog there. Uh, we have, we have, uh, <laughs> we do have uh, a. Uh, uh, a robotics uh, laboratory here in, in Massachusetts that produces. Uh, uh, I know. I was watching the. Vi- I was watching the video of them trying they can to dance. one of the robots. Yeah, they can dance. They were mimicking uh, uh, Jagger and the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I was watching one of them All his moves. one of these uh, bipedal robots over, and the... you just can't make it fall over. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty Very cool. cool stuff. Yeah. All right. We are coming up to the break. And when I come back, I want to talk about the uh, American Psychical Institute, uh, which is a blast from the past. But uh, it's a blast from the past. Yeah. But I had some I got a little actually I got a brochure from them. And so I wanted to discuss some of the things it mentions in the brochure and, and see what your thoughts on are as well. So, so anyways, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Pass and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet and Parax Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Mirror X Street, with Massachusetts, and the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, not, not the end of Massachusetts. Now, very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon, including Colin Billsland, Pilsland, I guess that's what it is, and Ann Ryan. We'll be right back.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. Back to part two of tonight's Ghost Chronicles International with your hosts in New England, their own very own Van Helsing, and over here on a vigil in a haunted house again, the gold standard in ghost hunting. So is it getting creepy there? Are there creaks and and moans and rattling chains? In fact, fact, uh, we're getting to the point of putting a line through this one. Oh, so sad. Never mind. We gave it a shot. Yeah, and you have. You you've been there how many times though? This will Seems be like number six. 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 See, that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, most people just uh, spend a couple of hours and say, "Oh, it's haunted. It's not haunted." No, it's got this demons. Will, this will bring us up to what six? But total about twenty-eight hours. Mm. That's plus good. plus all of the interviews and all of the other stuff and blah 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, so, anyways, as you know, I got the the book Psychic Oddities by Harewood Carrington, I believe his name is. Harrowood. Did I say that? Harrow Harrowood, whatever. Ha- Mr. Carrington. Harrowood. Mr. Carrington. Doctor Carrington. Is he a doctor? Yes. I don't really know. No, he wasn't. But, uh, no doctor? Yes, he is. Yep. Is he? Yep. He's got a doctor in front of his name here in the little in the little brochure. Ah. I've oh, I, I, I love this. The American Psychical Institute, eleven forty five Vine Street, Hollywood, thirty eight, California. No zip code. That's back in the day. Wow. Anyway, all right. So. Uh, this is the little it's a little brochure it's it's pretty cool actually uh shows a picture of their library and everything on it it says uh, uh let me see the purpose uh blah, blah, blah. It, it talks a little bit about what what they do it says uh, investigations are carried on psychics for the purpose of exposing fraudulent mediums and attesting to genuine cases well that's a 
good and honorable. Yeah, I like that. So it's not like uh, we're here to, you know, get fraudulent mediums. No, we're also to attesting genuine cases. Well, that's exactly the same as what Price was doing Mm -hmm. with the NLPR. And of course, Price and Carrington were contemporaries with one another. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. It says uh, laboratory experiments are carried out and scientific tests of phenomena made. I'm yep. not sure what that means, but that's so. Uh, and the, okay, so here's the part I was going to talk to you about, and this is sure. evidently. Briefly, the aims and objects of the American Psychical Institute may be summed up in the following points. And it has five points. We'll we'll take them one by one if you'd like. Um, The investigation of all types of psychic phenomena in an attempt to find their underlying laws and causes. Exactly the same as the SPRs, virtually. Yeah. So underlying cause and and. I, well, isn't that sure. the primary well, the primary role of an investigator is surely to determine the cause of the reported phenomena or event. And the underlying laws, what what does that mean? What was your, what well, your thoughts on that? Well, the underlying laws are are simply what well, they're talking about causation again. Mm-hmm. So it's just a old speak for causation. Well, they have say so, well, well, for for example, let's use infrasound for a minute. Yeah. Um, infrasound has an effect upon the human body, which may perceive, which may cause people to believe that they are having a paranormal experience. But the laws are would be how is it affecting the body? By what okay. mechanisms? So is it, for example, body cavity resonance? Is it via the, the, the hearing route? Is it a brain neural thing? So that's what they mean by the underlying um, laws. That What they're looking at there is the, the mechanisms by which it transpires. Okay. So what, what are the, okay, why? This is the cause of it, and these are the mechanisms that. Yeah. That's the cause. Okay. Makes sense. So the cause is what, what triggered the event. The underlying mechanism is what allows it to happen. Very good. All right. So point number two, the collection, clarification, and study of various spontaneous manifestations experienced by average individuals who request our help. So this is must be their little investigation. This is the ghost hunt. This is the ghost hunting. Yeah. And by spontaneous manifestations, they are referring to anything that would come under the classifications of apparitions, hauntings, poltergeists, or similar phenomena. So, a port, object movement, uh, the sighting of figures, apparitions, um, smells. Mm-hmm. Anything that we would relate to as being ghosts and hauntings, I think, would be the modern banner headline for those. The S- SPR does this as well, correct? Exactly the same thing. The, the SPR has um, exactly the same remit. No, oh, very good. Or, okay. a, or parts of the SPR have the same remit, because obviously these uh, there are different 
interests. You know, we, there are some who within the SPR, in fact, there's a lot within the SPR who are studying consciousness and psi and mm-hmm. telecon, uh, telepathy and clairvoyance. Uh, there are others within the society, a smaller number, who are more interested in spontaneous phenomena, the physical phenomena that take place in haunted houses. There are some who work only in laboratories. There are some who work only in the field. Okay. But so, you know, but yeah, broadly, they're all in the um, remit of interest of the SPR. Okay. So point number three, the conducting of experiments in the properly, in a properly equipped psychical laboratory using scientific instruments of precision well you wouldn't yeah well i mean you wouldn't use any instruments that didn't have precision because that would make you a modern day television youtube ghost hunter (laughs) um, where the instruments lack any form of precision um they're just a series of colored lights or music boxes or or uh, echo chambers they ha- they are mean absolutely meaningless and we've discussed this many times they tell you nothing at all about the phenomena that you're supposed they do to be look observing cool, don't they they're entirely driven by uh, the media they have no worth or use in psychical research mm-hmm. but what they're talking about is objective calibrated measurements so what they're referring to by scientific instruments are um, calibrated thermometers, calibrated um, uh, strain gauges and other devices for measuring the physical world around them. And that's what, you know, that's what the modern investigator doesn't do. Um, you know, they, 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 they jab at it with these crazy devices that they buy off uh AliExpress and uh, eBay. Yeah. Okay. Point number four. There's only five points. Uh, the publication of these, of the results of the investigations made by the Institute in a series of official bulletins. So peer review. Absolutely peer review. Um, and what they're talking about is a, is a journal. A journal much like the Journal of the Society for Psychical Research or the bulletins and journals that were produced by the National Laboratory for Psychical Research under Harry Price. Um, Because this is how you disperse your discoveries. This is how you share your discoveries. And this is how you invite critique of your discoveries um, using, you know, acceptable media. Now, doing a live ghost hunt on Facebook or having your five that doesn't work. Fame on Netflix. It's not quite the same thing, is it? Uh, no. And by <laughs> the way, uh, the, the, there is no, uh, no uh, peer review really encouraged, is there? Uh, because, because if you disagree with someone oh, or oh, a yeah. point out I mean, a flaw in something, then my God, you'll probably be blocked. You don't even have to disagree with it um, if you if you even question it, if you even ask for clarification on. Um, in fact, nowadays, several of the oh, groups I noticed on Facebook recently, several of the groups, you know, in their uh, what this group is about section at the um, yep. you have to um, 
agree to buy, abide by the uh, the regulations or the admin won't let you join and some of the groups now they they actually say that skeptics and those who are questioning what is being offered and shown and presented will not be admitted really because these groups are not for not for the disbelievers or skeptics these groups are for people who believe or are fans of or want to support um, no questions allowed oh you're only God. allowed to you're only allowed to sycophantically clap from the sidelines and say what marvelous people um, and how wonder, wondrous is the evidence now there's so much of a peer review right there i can see that <laughs> that's peer review for you 21st century style well whatever all right the final point and we'll move on to something else is uh the holding of special and general meetings at which lectures illustrations are given uh cases discussed and questions uh answered that's well that's spr does that right spr does that they they have regular um lectures in fact they have one every month uh, they they've gone over to webinars at the moment because yeah, yeah. of because yeah. of uh, circumstances. Um, but interestingly, they're going to maintain doing that because they've been quite popular. Uh, because not everybody can get down to London or uh, wherever the um, lecture is held, and of course, the lecture theatre, lecture room itself is finite in size and can only sit a number of people. But and you could be you know, from any part of the world, right? And you can be from any part of the world. And it's proved quite popular, um, the webinar. And there are, you know, there are no plans to cancel them soon because you will have an audience in the room, but you can still stream it to the rest of the interested world. So, you know, in some ways we, we, we have to, you know, the pandemic has been, uh, you know, very bad. But it's also, you know, no cloud, you know, there's a, every cloud has a silver lining. Mm -hmm. And we have learned to adapt and to work in new ways, ways that we ordinarily wouldn't have. You know, I remember four or five years ago, because I have to travel down to the um, SPR offices in London every right. every other month for the council meetings. And it's 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 a long way from here. Um, you know, it takes eight hours or so to get there. And then the next day it takes eight hours to get back for a two and a half, three hour meeting. And I said, you know, well, why, why can't we use Skype or why can't we use video conferencing, um, right. particularly in the winter months? Because it would be much easier to attend the meetings. Oh, well, you know, our constitution and, and, and this. And, and there was always an excuse as to why it was never done. And so it never was done. And every other month, everybody would set off and go to London. But then they couldn't go to London and they had to find another way. And then now we've realized that actually that other way can be a useful tool. Homeworking can be a useful tool. Um, so it's, you know, there is a silver lining to this cloud. Yeah, there are, and uh... and month and, and and what Harrington's talking about there with the monthly meetings 
it's it's an it's also another form of peer review. One of the things I really enjoy most when I give presentations and talks isn't the presentation and talk. Um, for me, I like to get through that bit as quickly as I can and just say, right, let's go to the questions because the questions, the discussion that follows in the Q and A, for me is is the real reason to be there because it allows people to have a conversation uh, and to ask questions and it allows me as the speaker to uh, perhaps consider things that I hadn't considered and to evaluate things differently to think about things differently because I don't have all of the answers I have you know a limited range of knowledge and I've never been averse to you know getting more knowledge uh, often you know you find that a question will you'll answer it and then you'll go away later and you'll think yeah but if and it can send you in a whole new direction a whole new direction of research and study and um considering possibilities that, that you would not have looked at but for that one little question and so i love the q and a's and i, I like it when people disagree with me you know the q a's that say oh you know i really like the book and i thought that was marvelous and yeah, yeah. i want to have your babies yeah the ones i like is i think you're talking a load of hog, hogwash and crap and i don't agree with anything and i think this is wrong and that's wrong because it allows me to evaluate what of what my own work but also, hopefully, to communicate um, my research, my work, it's kind of a test. Because, yes, it you, is. Know, you know, it's kind of, uh, you're on the spot. Um, and I enjoy that because it gives me an opportunity to fight my corner, but also to evaluate my own research. So yeah, I'm, I'm all five points there. I, I mean, those five. What, do you, what year was that? Um, oh God, it's I, I, I really. What would it be? Forties? I really. Nineteen forties? I don't. Only. I mean, it came in this book, which was printed in fifty-two. So you're talking about the forties, really? Because Carrington was operating, yeah. you know, in that period. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Because it's very, very similar to what Price was doing in the 30s. And Price and Carrington, were, as I say, were were, were contemporaries um, and, you know, were well known to one another. Um, now, Price borrowed from the SPR, and it looks like Carrington's borrowed from the SPR as well. And the ASPR, let's not forget that, you know, we, we talk a lot about the Society for Psychical Research, which, you know, dates back to 1882 but only less than a year later in 1883 was founded the american society for psychical research which may still exist in america it's obviously yeah i know that's the thing nobody knows (laughs) that's yeah exactly that's the that's the mystery they have become you know from an organization in, in that invent investigates enigmas to becoming an enigma 
you know, what mm. did happen to the ASPR because their building is up for sale. Um, you know, nobody knows whether they're still surviving. Nobody knows whether they exist anymore. Um, right. You know, is the ASPR still still there? If they can hear my voice, let us they know. They can hear this podcast. Let us know. Come on the show. We'd love to hear from someone, anyone, even the janitor. We'll speak to the janitor from the SBA. <laughs> yeah. Or if that building anyway. is in, that building is still going free in New York, um, there's a, there's a guy it? in New England who might want to you know, take rent of it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Kipper. Kipper could move in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on that note of uh carrington uh oh, whatever his name is uh this is this is the list of the 10 most notable paranormal researchers from history and oh, it'd be interesting I did, to I did, see I did, I did is this a recent one because I, I used one of these 10 10 most uh paranormal investigator lists a couple of years ago in the talk yeah do you really is yeah. that the one with a vet feeling in it and, and yeah, uh, she was Zach Beggins, yeah, Zach Beggins, Karen yeah. O'Keefe, and yeah, Warrens. yeah, yeah, yeah. the Warrens, yes, yeah, I wasn't in it. No, I noticed that. Yeah, no, this is a this looks like a a good list. Let me let me ask you, and you might even not even heard these people because, to be honest with you, I haven't never heard of them. William Seabrook. Uh, number ten. I can't remember why, but I I know the name. Uh, Instead of utilizing microscope or a series of groundings in physical science, William Seabrook pursued the supernatural in only the way he knew how. As a journalist born in Westminster, Maryland, a former lawyer became a Lutheran minister. Seabrook uh, claimed that his thirst for the knowledge of the supernatural uh, was inspired by his grandmother, Pindy, who was an opium addict, <laughs> and the witch. Yeah, and a witch. <laughs> uh, after living, blah, 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 where's the good part? Uh, so he, uh, let me see, he wrote a collect, uh, yeah, he wrote a, a collective thing, The Adventures of Arabia, among the Jew. What the hell is this? This is all devil worshippers. Wow. Anyway, Seabrook's foray into the Muslim world is most famous today for his statement in the Kurdish Yadisi, a minority overseeing the chain of the seven towers, broadcasting occult vibrations in service of evil. What the heck has this guy been drinking? <laughs> Moving on to number nine. What? Move on to number nine. Yeah, I I don't even know. I can't even comment on it. Okay, somebody you might know. Joseph Banks Ryan. Yeah, J.B. Ryan, botanist. um, And together with his wife, Louisa, the founders of the Ryan Research Institute, which is now the Ryan Research Center or the Ryan Education Center at Duke University in North Carolina. Mm. And the man that founded or claims to have founded par- academic parapsychology. And he hated ghost hunting. To each their own. Yeah. All right. Number so eight. we do know him. You, you, you're you okay with him then? Uh, J.B. Ryan, yeah. George Estabrooks. Oh, no. 1940s. Dr. Mm, George Estabrooks made a starting claim 
the chairman of the Department of Psychology at College, uh, Colgate College University, uh, who was then working with the U.S. Army during World War II, asserted, I can hypnotize a man without his knowledge or cons consent. Hmm. That's a big claim. Yep. Before becoming an expert in hypnosis, Eastbrook uh, was a Rhodes Scholar and a graduate from Harvard University in Pennsylvania Articles. Uh, his big deal is uh, hypnotism, evidently. In 1971, the Science Digest... Uh, Eastbrook not only claimed that using hypnotism was part of the intelligence gather, gathering uh, community, but highlighted several strange occurrences that had happened while uh, he performed hypnotism on U.S. service members. Uh, look into my eyes. Don't look around the eyes. Look into my eyes. Yeah, walk through this wall. <laughs> <Men of Stare laughs> goats. Did you ever see that, Men of Steer to Goats? Yes. Yeah, okay. All right, number seven. Oh, there you go. Number seven, Rufus Osgood Mason. Nope. <laughs> God, I told you this, I didn't hear some of these guys. I, I know, isn't it a great list? Uh, a former seminary student became an assistant surgeon to the U.S. Navy in the Civil War. Rufus Osgood Mason later uh, began a second career as a famous researcher of parapsychology, an unusual phenomenon. Mason's specific areas of interest was telepathy and hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. um, Mason uh, wrote about uh, his, his in the telepathy and subliminal self, which is a book he wrote in 1897. I'm sure you remember that. In 1901, hypnotism uh, suggested. Yeah. In is this their, is this top ten hypnotists in the world? I know it. What do I mean? Some of these, uh, many of Mason's many of Mason's uh, research methods of hypnosis uh, continue to influence those who study ESP, hypnotism, and areas of parapsychology and metaphysicals. Okay, there we are. How, how about this guy, Carlos Owis? Carlos Otis. Owis? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Know him? I've, I've heard of Carlos Otis. In fact, if every time you talk to Cal Cooper, you will hear his name mentioned. Oh, really? So he's related to him or something? Uh, he's a big, he's a big hero of, um, or Cal is a, he is a big hero for Cal. Yeah. So he was, uh, yeah, he was. Uh, and, and of course, I believe ESPs. this, yeah, right. but I believe uh, nothing to do with the lift company, the elevator company. No. No, it's not T. It's Otis. Osis. Osis. This is Osis, not Otis. Yeah, I know. I was joking. Oh, SPR. So he was a uh, yes. first study. The yeah, okay. So he's a member of the SPR. So you you know him, right? Speaking about Cal, we we uh, we wish him speedy. Re oh, we're gonna go yeah, through from his uh, he put his foot in it, didn't he? Or on? Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You know, we yeah. don't want him to lose his leg or well, anything. Give us you a, know. I mean, we only got two minutes. Do the top three. Okay, uh, Peter Herkos, ESP. No, no. Okay, move on. Next one, Frederick Blybond. Oh yes, Frederick Blybond, uh, psychic archaeology. Really? Yeah. We got to do, do something on that. We have to go okay. back on that. Um, Sir William Crooks. Oh God. Yes, chemist, British chemist. Um, studied medium shit. 
Uh, well, he, he tested mediums and uh, most notably Flory Cook. Oh, There's yeah. no relation. Right. It's Crook and Flory Cook. The, the Crooks. And, uh, that's right. Um, but yeah, um, and also tested many psychics mediums yeah. because he was, uh, it was a British uh, chemist um, and following the work of the American chemist, Robert Hare. One minute. Uh, developing. Okay developing equipment to test the mediums to try and find out the forces Let me get to the top of the used. list. Go Harry on. Price, number two. Yay. Okay, you want to know who they, know who they got for number one? You want to guess? Zach Bagans. No. Ed Montague Warren. Summers. What? Really? Now, that's unusual. Um, 30 seconds. I, I'm surprised by Montague Summers, um, a great scholar and translator. Uh -huh. Bit of a rogue. Um, I wouldn't really say he was a psychical researcher, um, yeah, but he did translate many famous did translate many famous works on witchcraft and the um, the Malleus Maleficorum, Maleficarum into English. All right, we got to go. So, anyways, that was our not my list, but a list of the top uh, 10 paranormal researchers. We want to thank everyone for listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Poss and Ron Kulik right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. And our very super-duper good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon, you too could become a member and get access to 30 different videos that only our Patreon members can have. Good night and God bless. Good night and God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good 